I don't think we met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> it is Tommy weekly. Then the first pass. Hello and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly. Kieran Kennedy here, stepping in for Gavin Casey, who's taken some well-earned time off this bank holiday weekend. Knowing Gavin, I'm sure he's got a nice spa weekend or wellness retreat lined up for the few days. Something nice and relaxing, no doubt. But um, we're going to look ahead to the weekend's URC quarterfinals today, and I'm delighted to say that as I peer into my little Zoom screen here, the 42's own Gary Doyle is there. Sandwich is no doubt packed before he makes tracks up to Belfast this evening. Gary, how's the form? No need for the sandwiches to be packed here and of course I'll be stopping in at the Mullers for some uh, unasked for life advice and some home cooking. So uh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to the match tonight as well. So the form here is very, very good, Kieran. I love this time of year when it's, you know, knockout rugby. So much at stake, particularly this evening. And can't wait to get up there and have a good look at it. Yeah, glad to hear it. I, I was going to say that sometimes coming back from Champions Cup to URC can feel like a little bit of a come down, but we've got such a big weekend to look forward to here. So, yeah, it's Ulster v Munster at 7.35 p.m. tonight in Belfast, and then obviously Leinster at home at the RDS against Glasgow tomorrow. That one's at 3.15 p.m. Do the games see the Bulls against the Sharks at 12.45 tomorrow, and the Stormers are at home to Edinburgh at 6 p.m. That one is also tomorrow. But we're going to start in Belfast and I'll just quickly run through the two starting teams so for Ulster there's no Mike Lowry with Stuart Moore the only change so Stuart Moore fullback Rob Balakoon, James Hume, Stuart McCloskey, Ethan McElroy, Billy Burns and John Cooney in the halfbacks. Front row is Andrew Warwick, Rob Herring, Tom O'Toole, Alan O'Connor and Ian Henderson in the second row and then Marcus Ray, Nick Timoney and Dwayne Vermeulen in the back row. Munster team is four changes and um, the big news obviously being that Peter O'Mahony returns to captain the side. Gavin Coombs is back in for the first time since April. So it's Mike Haley at fullback, Andrew Conway, Chris Farrell, Damien Dialende, Keith Earls, Joey Carberry and Conor Murray. Front row is Joss Witcherly, Niall Scannell, Stephen Archer, Jean Klein and Finneen Witcherly in the second row and then O'Mahony, Kendellan and Gavin Coombs in the back row. Gary, um, Munster had an opportunity to secure a home quarterfinal when they went to Dublin to play Leinster last month. Now, there were various destinations on the cards for them, but while Belfast is a little bit more accessible than South Africa, this is a very difficult fixture for them against an Ulster side who don't lose at home very often. No, the only time they've lost at home this season in the URC was to Munster, uh, which was a month ago, as at that game. But there's a different feel to this one, Kieran, in the sense that that night, the atmosphere was so mute because it was only a week. In fact, I don't even think it was a full seven days from Ulster's heartbreaking defeat to Toulouse in the Champions Cup. So you did get the feeling that night that there was the equivalent of a, of a sporting hangover, uh, that the, the crowd weren't really up for it. The players were up for it, but were psychologically wounded from the nature of the previous week's defeat. Whereas Munster came into that match on the back of a sort of rabble-rousing victory over Exeter uh, the previous Saturday. So that's the different context for that game compared to this one, uh, whereby now it's Munster that are sort of nursing the wounds from that defeat at the Aviva to Leinster. And since Ulster uh, lost to Munster, they've had sort of tight, uh, not fully impressive, but nonetheless good victories over Sharks and away to Edinburgh. So 
they are in a reasonably good position and all week I was sort of thinking, right, I think they're going to do this. And then the teams came out yesterday and my opinion changed because O'Mahony in the Munster side, I think I've made this point before, it reminds me of Roy Keane in the Irish soccer side around 2000, 2001. Just such a huge influence on the team, not just in terms of his playing ability, but also his leadership. Then you look at the fact that Gavin Coombs is back as well, and he's been sorely missed. And you look at the fact that Andrew Conway is back. And also you look at the absence of Mike Laurie from the Ulster team. And those those little things is edging me towards a monster victory this evening. But having said that, there are so many variables. Home advantage is a massive factor. The crowd will be up for it tonight. Ulster are refreshed. Uh, coming into this fixture as opposed to being uh, pretty pretty tired going into the last time they played Munster. So it's a really, really hard one to call. You can make a very good case for either team, but I don't want to sit in the fence. So if you're going to go for one, you're going to go for Munster by about a score. So. Yeah, and I was kind of I was on the Munster kind of press call earlier this week and I've just been wondering about this since the start of the week and I haven't been able to make my mind up on it but whenever Munster's season ends whether it's tonight or in the semi-finals or maybe even a URC final they have a fresh start ahead of them regardless you know there's a change of head coach there's a new backroom team coming in there's a bit of a reset on the way there no matter what happens over the next three weeks for us Ulster they've made huge progress under Dan McFarland but for all the good work he's done they are still coming up short when it comes to knockout rugby. Trophies are the aim there, and if they don't get at least to a URC final this year, it could maybe feel a bit like the same old story with Ulster. So is there more pressure on them heading into this game, and is this a game they need to win more than Munster do, given where the two provinces are, maybe in terms of their grand plans? Do you know something? I think you made, you made a couple of interesting points there. I was looking at this, Kieran, and I just think the similarities between both clubs at the minute and both head coaches is just striking. Like both both Munster and Ulster were in a were in a bit of a mess before Van Gran and McFarland arrived. In the case of Van Gran, he had come after the sort of the six month will I stay or will I go saga that involved Razi Erasmus. Just prior to that, the season before that, Alan Quinlan had called the performance against Stade Francais a borderline disgrace. Relate that then to Ulster the season before McFarland took over. Brian O'Driscoll called the club a basket case. And you couldn't argue with either Quinlan or O'Driscoll on either on either case then. Both clubs were in a really bad position. You tend to forget it now, right? But Munster failed to get out of their pool in Europe in 2014-15 and in 2015-16. Ulster, in the four years prior to McFarland coming in, failed to get out of their pool four years on the trot. Look what has happened since. With Munster under Van Graan, they've been to the semi-final of the Champions Cup on two occasions. They've got the last 16. They've got the quarter-final. With McFarland, they have been out of uh, the pool on three out of four occasions. They had the heartbreaking defeat this year. They had the heartbreaking defeat to Leinster in McFarland's first season. They've got been to the semi-finals of the Challenge Cup. Like Munster, they have fallen short in the Pro 14, typically at the expense of Leinster, uh, except again in McFarland's first season when they were absolutely hammered out the gate by Glasgow. So basically, 
what you have are two clubs that have made significant progress. Like we tend to forget that uh, Ulster under McFarland have defeated Leicester. Or sorry, they haven't. Sorry, they have defeated uh, Claremont away and they've defeated Toulouse away. Under Van Gran, Munster have defeated Toulon, Toulouse, Exeter, Saracens, Leicester, and Racing. So they're big scalps. But the point that you made is so, so apt and so uh, on the money, Kieran, about their knockout performances. And it's again, it is both clubs. If you look, if you look at what sort of makes a legacy for for O'Gara, it is the fact that he's gone and done it with La Rochelle. They've won big knockout matches and now they've won the first piece of silverware. Under Van Graan, yes, there was that great victory in his first season against Toulon. Other than that, the knockout wins have been against, for McFarland, it's been against Connacht in 2019 in the, in the URC, or sorry, in the Pro 14 quarterfinals. It's been against Edinburgh, which was a really, really impressive win because it came... Uh, with a last-minute penalty and with a last-quarter rally. And then last year in the Challenge Cup, they beat a second-string Harlequins. They had a good win, in fairness, to them away to Northampton, and then they lost to Leicester. So, in other words, it's not anything that's going to stick in the memory of their supporters. Similarly, for Munster, they've beaten Treviso. They've beaten... The win over Toulon is memorable. The win over Treviso was not. It was a really poor performance. And they also beat Edinburgh in the quarterfinals of the 2019 uh, Champions Cup. And this year they beat Exeter. But that was a round of 16 fixture. So what we're really saying, I think both guys have done a pretty good job. But you're not going to get a statue erected outside the stadium at Tolman Park or at Ravenhill on the back of beating Edinburgh in a knockout match. You really you're going to have to do something that sticks in the memory to cement your legacy or to build your legacy or to prove to the supporters that, you know, if in McFarland's case, that you're the man that's going to take them to the next level. So, and this match tonight, Kieran, is that legacy moment because there is a big rivalry, a historic rivalry that goes back over a century. In Ulster's case, there's the feeling that they're fed up being called the third team. They want to be, you know, Leinster's chief rivals in Irish in the Irish provincial rugby setup. Like it would have stuck in their craw to hear uh, the words that historically it's always been Leinster, Munster, Ulster, Connacht. Because if you're an Ulster supporter, you remember what happened in the 1980s and the 1990s, and for that to be sort of wiped out of history by by people that mention that us that it's uh, chiefly uh, Leinster Munster rival that will not go that will not sit well so there's a huge motivation for them but typically Munster are always motivated this time of year because they have to end that trophy drought so there's just so many historic things building into this fixture that it's not just your typical boring pro 14 quarterfinal semi-final it's the biggest quarterfinal there has been since the playoffs were introduced in this competition in all its different guises. 
it's it's really something to look forward to yeah you, you've certainly got me looking forward to it now if i wasn't already um as you say like a huge game for both provinces but it's also a big game for a lot of individuals and just one yeah. kind of interesting aspect of this game is that with one of these teams going out this evening for some players it is that last chance to catch andy farrell's eye ahead of the summer tour to new zealand in that regard is there anyone you're particularly looking forward to seeing in action tonight or anyone who could just do with a nice timely big performance before farrell starts sending out a couple of emails well, like where where do you start? Where do you stop? I think I think just about everybody is has to produce it tonight. Like a lot of, like there's some guys are going to be on the plane no matter what, but there are other players that have got huge nights ahead of them. Like even even if you go down to the replacements, Craig Casey, Ben Healy, Healy had that difficult afternoon against against uh, Toulouse at the Aviva. But what happens if he comes on tonight and he seizes control and he kicks the winning scores and he dictates the terms and conditions of the last quarter? That's a way to catch catch a, a coach's eye. Even if you go to somebody who is completely overlooked, like Andy Warwick, Ireland have got scrum issues. Everybody can see that. It's plain as a nose on your face. Andy Warwick's had an incredible season. He's one of three Ulster players that have really been improved by McFarland. He's one, Timoney is the other, and the third one is Alan O'Connor. Now, I don't think O'Connor's ever going to be in Farrell's eye, and probably Andy Warwick may not be in, in his eye either. But there's one way to catch the coach's eye, and that's by putting in a big performance in a match of this nature and the game of this intensity. You look further further down the, the squad list, you see somebody like Nathan Doke. Like, he hasn't got in there yet, but I mean, he's a big game player and he's young. He's got a physique which reminds you of Ruin Pinar. He's got a game that has ticks just about every box. He can break, he can tackle. His pass is pretty good. It's not as good as Casey's, but it's pretty good. His box kicking, sometimes it's too long. But, you know, he can place kick. He is somebody that could sneak on the plane with a big performance throughout the playoffs. Then the aforementioned Nick Timoney is definitely somebody that's going to be under consideration. And the other one to look out for is Alex Kandelan, who just reminds you of uh, a 2022 version of Neil Back, reminds you of Josh van der Fleer, has got a superb attitude and has, a- has answered every question that has been asked of him this year in terms of whenever he's been given an opportunity to step up either as a, for his first start, then for his first Inter-Pro, then for his first Champions Cup game. Seven, I know he played his underage rugby as an eight. Seven, because of his physique, he's better suited to a seven. He looks the real deal. Uh, but knockout rugby is when you prove whether you are the real deal or not. So yes is your answer. There are a lot of guys that can really, really make a case for inclusion Um in the squad to go to New Zealand yeah it'll be fascinating to see how it all unfolds hopefully it's a crack in the Kingspan this evening um, we'll shift on to tomorrow so Glasgow coming to the RDS to play Leinster and the Leinster team is not long out as we're recording here so nine of the teams that started against La Rochelle keep their place this week so there is a strong look to this Leinster team um, Jimmy O'Brien moves to full back you've got Jordan Larmer and Rory O'Loughlin on the wings Guy Ringrose and Kieran Frawley in the centre positions Ross Byrne comes in to partner Jemson Gibson Park in the halfbacks a strong front row with Andrew Porter Dan Sheehan Tyke Furlong um, Joe McCart 
Joe McCarthy, sorry, makes his 10th start for Leinster. He's in its second row alongside captain James Ryan. And a back row of Ryan Baird, Josh van der Fleer and Caelan Doris. I think this day last week, Leinster would have been heavy, heavy favourites for this one. But losing out to La Rochelle last weekend has just added a little bit extra to this fixture. We saw Marseille what pressure can do to a team and suddenly Leinster are under a little bit of pressure now. It was interesting that like Robin McBride and a couple of players did media earlier in the week and, and they all said it. Lose this weekend in, in the space of seven days, their season is done. And I think the team... Leo Cullen has selected probably reflects that you know the core group of the Marseille team is in there Gary this has suddenly become a very very important game for Leinster yeah and you know something I can see why he's made those changes Kieran because Glasgow's season has kind of slipped under the radar in amongst Irish rugby fans this year and here's a few sobering uh, reminders of how dangerous they can be they played La Rochelle twice this season as well they lost by eight points and they put 30 points on La Rochelle when they played them in Scott in Scottstown. Away in La Rochelle, they only lost 2013, okay? They beat Exeter 22-7 in Europe this year. Okay, they lost to Leinster in the URC, but they beat Munster and they beat Connacht away. In fact, they completely outplayed Connacht away. And when you look at their team, they're a lot better than I think people here give them credit for. Their fullback, Ollie Smith's decent operator. Their winger... Uh, McLean is a good finisher and he showed that actually that day I was down at that match in the sports ground when when they did a number on Connacht and he he got away now there's there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of injury issues like Kyle Steen is a is a really good centre he's not there so that's that's a, a big factor Duncan Weir their right half isn't there either um, Ali Price has been picked at at scrum half he's a decent operator and on the bench, surprisingly for me, they have put Fraser Brown, who is superb at the breakdown, and I thought he was very, very good in the sports ground. But again, you're looking at you know decent options to come off the break. Oh, sorry, to come off the bench. Richie Gray is really disruptive force in the lineout. Can't be underestimated. So it does not surprise me that Cullen has gone with as many frontliners as he has for this fixture because this is it this is their season now if they don't do it to, tomorrow if they don't deliver against a reasonably good team then they're in, not just in huge trouble but that's it that's they have nothing to show for this year their drive for five to go back to back to back to back to back in this tournament is over and you're absolutely right. You're just looking at this tournament now through different eyes. Not just because Leinster lost last weekend. Not just because Ulster and Munster have had big defeats in the last month or so. But also because the South African sides have come good. And also, they didn't play six uh, Champions Cup matches this season. They're fresher. They've had an easier schedule. They've had a run of form. The Bulls, the Stormers and the Sharks which suggests that they could sneak this tournament in their first season in it. And, you know, the more, the more we think back to the psychological wounds that Leinster are nursing from, from last Saturday, the more you begin to believe that certainly a team like the Stormers could sneak into the final and go away with the trophy. It's, 
it's actually it's looking like a pretty fascinating month coming up yeah you've highlighted some of the big wins and big performances Glasgow have had this season like obviously Leinster have blitzed their way to this stage of the URC you know they were brilliant in Europe up until last weekend but but will Glasgow sense opportunity here like obviously they're a very different team to La Rochelle but are there things they'll look at from Marseille last weekend and think you know what just maybe we can get at these guys tomorrow and rattle them a bit Kind of, they'll probably have a, in one, yeah, in one sense, Kieran, they've nothing to lose because they're huge underdogs. But in another sense, they're not La Rochelle. And the other point that I really want to make is Leicester only lost narrowly. You know, they weren't beaten out the gate. And we can overanalyze things. We can look too deeply into results when sometimes you just, you don't have to look deeply at all. In a final, you're always going to play a very good team. And you're always going to have periods when your game plan works. And then there will be periods when the opposition's game plan works. That's what happens when two titans collide. And, you know, we can we can say too much about Leinster's performance. The performance at times was very, very good last week. And that's been forgotten about the analysis and the narrative would be completely different if they had have held out and they were so close to winning that game. And then they wouldn't have the in-depth analysis of where it went wrong, but the focus would be on everything that they did right. So we can we need to retain a sense of perspective and not go too far either side in terms of criticising uh, what they did wrong or praising what a team does right when they win. Um, I still think Leinster will have enough for them, Kieran, uh, because as I said earlier, while Glasgow have been pretty good this year uh, and while they have had some really good results and they put it up to La Rochelle, they are not La Rochelle, so it is not a like-for-like game. Yeah, yeah, great stuff, great stuff. It's it's going to be fascinating tomorrow and I think bringing in those six fresh faces into a starting 15 as well probably will help with getting over any kind of psychological damage from last week um, that's great look great stuff Gary I think we'll have to leave it there for today um, thanks a lot and enjoy the game in Belfast later Kieran brilliant chatting to you and I hope the RDS is is better for you this weekend than Marseille was uh, last Saturday but um, I, I think we're going to have I think we're going to have a good weekend of rugby. Yeah, here's hoping, here's hoping. Look, Gary will be back next week for our members pod, which will be on Tuesday rather than the usual Monday, Monday slot, and he'll have Bernard Jackman and a refreshed and reinvigorated Gavin Casey for company. You can sign up to get access to those podcasts at members.the42.ie if you haven't done so already. But that's us for today. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Have a great weekend, and we'll catch you soon. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year. I wouldn't go. <laughs> It's coming on! Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Little reverse pass. Come on!